welcome to Candy Bar Anthem Boy, a series where I, Mike Rappin, discuss the Netflix original series Sweet Tooth live on the I Read Comic Books Discord stage with anyone and everyone who wants to chat. Every week we'll be discussing one episode of the TV series and chatting about the comic of the same name by Jeff Lemire, originally published by Vertigo Comics. Now let's get into the show. As I have been joined by people in the past, I'm consistently joined by my good friend Danny. Danny, thank you so much for coming back to talk Sweet Tooth Episode 5 with me. Hey Mike, how are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think we're part of the same animal army now, so we have to stick together. <laughs> yes, we have to call it now because it's no longer the animal rescue team, it is just the animal army. Uh, today we're talking about Episode 5, What's in the Freezer, 40 minutes long. I'm going to just say spoilers for everyone out there who's listening. We're going to spoil Episode 5 of Sweet Tooth. You've been warned. Let's get right into this. Danny, what were your overall thoughts of this episode before we get into the specifics? I can see why this episode was so short. And even the one the one one of the negatives I have is like maybe it could have been even shorter. Oh no. Uh I feel like it started off a little bit slow. Um Totally. Totally. But, but I think it picked up definitely towards the end. I was also very confused at the beginning because I'm a bad TV watcher and I wasn't sure who that was. Oh, <laughs> well, I, let's, let's get right into that because that's the first yeah. thing I have in my notes, which is, oh my gosh, is this a flashback with Dr. Bell? Three big question marks. And then immediately dot, dot, dot. Nope. <laughs> As it turns okay. out that Dr. Bell, who was the predecessor, to, who was creating the serum that Dr. Singh was using um, on his wife, uh, she, she implied or at least made it seem like she was dying. Or she, I think she said it directly in the episode. She said she had like cancer or something. Yeah, yeah and so the, she faked her own death. I mean, this is begs a huge question that I want to get into maybe a little bit later, but like she faked her own death and who shows up of all people? Well, the big bad guy that we haven't seen in an entire episode, General Abbott. Uh, obviously, we're going to find out a little bit more about him because he was a bit in this episode, a couple different places. So, um, yeah, I was I was kind of I was thrown exactly by that flashback. I knew who the person was. Uh, not that I was paying attention more, but like I've been combing over the details of the last four episodes, so I just had it regularly like available in my in my brain. Um, but yeah, what a weird <laughs> yeah, moment! It wasn't until Abba brought up the like her fake and realness to retire that I was like, oh, this is the doctor from from the other episode. Okay. <laughs> right, right. That makes I mean cuz she was just vibing. She was just living her good life. I mean, out there I, in the Is that not what we all want to do? We just want to live our own good life with plants and, you know, little botany experiments out in a cornfield in the middle of nowhere listening to like really cool funky music. Like, come on. Yeah, if I get to be if I get to be her age by the time, you know, like uh, those are kind of goals except for the last part of what happened to her, but right, right. before that yeah. Well, that that actually begs one of the biggest questions I have for this episode um, about the sick, because there seemed to be a heavy implication that Abbott knew a lot about the sick. Um, but, you know, we'll, I'm going to put a little bit of pin in that because I'm going to just save that because I want to get through the rest of this episode. Uh, my only note, my last note about that scene, though, was uh, Abbott, the guy who plays Abbott, Neil Sandilands. Uh, what a fantastic villain. I, I keep thinking that he's John Malkovich with a beard, but younger. <laughs> But it, it's yeah. he's a totally different guy, and he's so he's so big. He's just he takes up an entire room when he's in it, and I love the presence that they give him. Like the the look is iconic, pulled straight out of the comic book, but also just his delivery of some of his lines were just chill, like chilling, like really. Yeah, my bones were rattling inside my body. Super, he's very menacing. You're right, uh, and the way it's shot, like it just 
you know, starting from his feet with the big boots, like, oh, yeah, man, very, very well done to make sure that you understand that this is not a good dude. Um, I guess we may have just this as a hanging question, like, what's in those syringes? Oh, exactly. That's what I'm wondering. I, I want to talk about that more. Uh, I really, really do. But uh, before we get in too deep into that, because I'm all about, I've got a million and one different speculation ideas. Um, let's let's get into some of the next bits, right? Because after that scene, we follow Sweet Tooth and, and Jeopard, and they're running, basically trying to, you know, get away after the end of the previous episode where they had a really nice, wholesome, like, hey, bud, let's get going kind of moment. And, uh, f- you know, Gus learns about fist bumps, probably one of the most adorable moments in the show. Uh, yeah. And Bear shows up. She's back. Yeah, they, they pretty much, because uh, that was one of the questions we had last week, right? Mm-hmm. That she takes the, port, the the information about Birdie that they pulled together uh, and, and then she leaves. So now, you know, I wasn't expecting her to run into them like so fast, I guess. Right, right. I mean, it, it seemed... You know, they could have done maybe a little bit more time with just Jeopard and and Gus, but instead, you know, having her show up creates this really interesting moment. I called them like friend parents because well, it's it's weird because Jeopard is clearly an adult and she's like 16, 17 years old. Like they right. bicker constantly, you know, because they have extremely different ideas about how the world should work and what Gus should be doing and what they should do next. And you know, I, I liked it on one hand, but on the other hand, I was like, oh my gosh, can these two just stop? <laughs> I was a little bit like sick of it after the first, like the second or third ar- argument almost. Yeah, I think um, this was probably the weakest part of the show for me, like, at least the weakest storyline. Yeah. Uh, especially when you compare it to like the stakes of everything else happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I mean, yeah, the bickering, I think, it it kind of got overplayed because in the end like i don't know that we that they learned anything uh right. it feels like their ideologies are still the same nothing's mm-hmm. going to change as far as like who they are as people they just kind of feel like four guys they're going to work together but you know who knows how long that'll last and then we get the other conflict right. of uh, that bridge uh <laughs> Like the ricketiest looking bridge you've ever seen in any type of movie or TV show ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, like, like it's comedically rickety. Like there's no way anyone ever used that ever. This is clearly a set piece. <laughs> no, I immediately figured either Gus was going to run through the field. Right. Uh, or just or get on the bridge. One of the two, which the latter ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Although I was not expecting... Uh, once he fell, that we were gonna go into a dream sequence. I don't even know that we needed a dream sequence. As as nice as it was to see Will Forte back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 was the per- the part I was mentioning that maybe this episode could have been shorter. Sure, uh, sure. Because that dream sequence, like even though that sent the 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 what's what's it called the hourglass, the hourglass mm-hmm. was running down. <laughs> it had a lot of sand in there, so it's yeah. pretty long. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it's it's interesting. Well, I do want to say I just want to get this really bad joke in before we continue forward, um, because I expected maybe the episode should have been called something like the Bridge of Cries or Lies or so, something really funny should go there. So wh- whoever's listened to this episode, I just want you to insert your own joke um, that involves bridges, uh, because I think that would have been a much better uh, take on that. Anyways, uh, so that lame thing said, um, I, I do agree that the flashback or the dream sequence seemed kind of strange. Like there was no explanation as to what these flowers were outside of just like 
they were proof that people had the sick and that they had been buried there. That was like a mass grave, which like, holy shit, can we talk about how dark that is? Um, yeah. But at the same time, like we see Dr. Singh and we see the people of the neighborhood um, interacting with those flowers like they they use bleach to clean them up or they use something to get rid of them or pesticide or something. Uh, but it's it seems to be like them being superstitious. But then to see, uh, you know, people who are on the outside uh, like Bear and Jeopard being like, yeah, yeah, we can't even go through these things like we have to go back and get this dead man's parachute, which like also the little joke of like you're pulling my foot was extremely adorable even though the entire scene was very like dark <laughs> uh, to, to see yeah. gus <laughs> sitting there just be like people didn't do that they didn't jump on a plane <laughs> yeah know. exactly. that was very yeah, funny like, to me because he said t- he said it in, whenever jeopard was explained that i feel like he said it in kind of like he was telling him a fairy tale yeah which is weird because that's a real life thing and then uh, I think they also explain cars, and because yeah. they run, they walk through a highway. Well, uh, and yeah, this that, kid's just like he, the, he's seen a train. He knows there's technology out there. I feel right. Like. Well, and it, but I do, I do like your point though, because I I noticed that while I was watching it, that the way that Jeopard was explaining a lot of that stuff, it was like someone telling you a tall tale or like a campfire story. But it's it's a real thing. But when you think about it, like these kids have never experienced anything. It's not even like they have media that probably contains that stuff. I mean, if we're being realistic and let's take a step back and like pull away the curtain of this whole thing, like there's probably likely some sort of access to car or stories that contain stories about uh, cars and, and things like that, like books and picture books and even television. Like obviously a lot of people have electricity and it seems like a lot of people have electricity like Gus might be the only person that's never seen a car or seen a plane before. So I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I guess to go back to the flower thing, um, you know, they there's clearly something there with those. And I don't remember that being a thing in the comic, but I do like that being this extremely foreboding, very beautiful, mm-hmm. but extremely foreboding thing that exists in the world that like the sick was here and now this flower is here. Like it's it's a it's something that I think really works it clicks something well in my head. I don't know. What do, what do you think about that, Danny? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, so as somebody that's in Texas, they look like blue bonnets, which is our state flower. Oh. And it's illegal to like walk through them and like cut okay. them and stuff. Uh, so it, that was pretty interesting. Just the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but as soon as Gus fell and we saw the, like the dust come out of it, I'm thinking it may affect the hybrids and people differently. Totally. Uh, totally. Like a hallucinogen, hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say that. Yeah. Uh, which kind of led to the thing. My other question in the dream sequence uh, was, how does Gus know what Abbott looks like? Uh, see, okay, this this is, <laughs> this is, it's very interesting that you say that because like, you know, Danny, I don't know if you've read any more of the comics since um, the first episode here, but the, the story in Sweet Tooth, the comic, is that Gus consistently has these prophetic like dreams. A lot of them are super abstract. A lot of them predict some things that are going to happen in ways that he can't understand. And I think him seeing, you know, we've had a couple instances where Gus has had very vivid dreams or even when he was a little boy, like his dad talking to him and seeing the smoke monsters and stuff. Mm -hmm. There is something that is particularly special about Gus, whether or not he is the first of hybrid or something else. I mean, as someone who's read the whole book, I can tell you, I know exactly what it is, I think. But the way that the show is trying to build up the... I don't know, something special about Gus is really is really smart. And I think it's the way that they did it in the comic too. Like Gus has this extra 
supernatural connection to things. And I wouldn't say it's all hybrids. I wouldn't say it's to nature. I wouldn't say it's to anything in specific, but it's, it is some supernatural, like sixth sense almost, you know, to, to be able to sense things and understand things in a way, way different than others. And I think that that's what gives him this courage and it kind of makes him the defining character that he is. And you know, he, he is in this instance kind of like going along the hero's journey in a lot of ways. Like this is him almost refusing the call, but then being, you know, forced into it and confronting this thing. I can't remember what the, the wheel of the hero's journey is, but, um, you know, like him seeing Abbott and being scared of it is, is a prophetic thing the same way that like Luke Skywalker sensed Darth Vader and was like, oh, snap, some big bad guys out there. You know, it's the, it's the same kind of idea um, to kind of instill a little bit of fear in the character but also reconfirm his drive and that what he's doing is the right thing to do um he knows that he's going to be safe or he thinks he's going to be safe if he finds his mom he knows that this is the thing that he needs to do so he's going to keep pushing forward to do that with his you know the his gus way of doing things you know um yeah a lot of things happen in that dream sequence that i could you know we could talk about all day um were any other things that stuck out to you um no no i don't think so i think like like i mentioned i feel that was the for me just the weakest part of it, just because the other two storylines were so strong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but now that you talk about it, they they had definitely have been setting up Gus as having some sort of like, yeah, it's not he's not a normal hybrid. He's definitely has this this extra sense that's not just from his like animal features. It's probably mm-hmm. something else. I do remember from Volume One he did have a dream, uh, but I mean that there was like some, I don't know, monsters on fire that he was dreaming about. So oh yeah. I guess I guess they toned it down a little bit for the. I guess Abbott's pretty scary overall, like uh, to take <laughs> yeah. the place of of those Jeff Lemire nightmare drawings. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, you know, I think the the idea of him talking to his dad and kind of getting this confirmation and that like everything like he's okay, but his dad saying, "Gus, you're special." Like this isn't just a father saying that to his son. I think that is that is his dad reconfirming or confirming that like he is a special person. Like he is special to the world. He's special to all hybrids. He is an important person in, in the grand scheme of things. And I, I like that that can be read in both ways in that he, his dad is, you know, saying to him, Hey, you're a special kid. And I, I think that you're important, but also beyond just the relationship that they have, he is saying, no, it's bigger than just you and me. As much as I do love you, you are important to everyone else and you got to keep that in mind. And I think that's, you know, something that he will probably bring up in later episodes. My guess is that he's going to say, I had a dream. My papa said, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, he's doing the thing that makes Gus really cute and adorable, but, uh, and a little kid at the same time. And so, I mean, I'm just excited for that, the implications of that dream to have, you know, play out because I think my guess is if I had to predict it is that he's going to, he's going to meet Abed at some point and he's going to go, Oh crap, I had this dream, but it's also going to bring up all the other stuff that he had with his dad. Yeah, like oh, this is the bad dude for my dreams or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes that 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 checks out for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I want to see. I do want to see him confront Abbott. We have a couple more episodes after this one, mm-hmm. uh, or, or is it two? Is it three? I think. Yeah, three more um, episodes. So they, they definitely don't have a lot of time, but but I'm sure that we'll get to it. Oh yeah, this is going to be, in my guess, this is a multi-season show. At least two or three seasons is my guess. Um, especially at the pace that they're going and like everything that they seem to be covering, like they're definitely giving a lot more backstory than the comic did for the better. Like they're not, I feel like that none of the stuff that I've seen so far feels like inflated with no reason, because I think it kind of, 
eases some of the burden of the weirdness of the Jeff Lemire Sweet Tooth story. Um, because rereading Sweet Tooth, great comic book. I absolutely love it. But at the same time, there are some bumps where I'm kind of just like, what the hell's going on? Okay, I guess I'm going to just move with this. And then maybe we get backstory later um, or we get some filled in like character dialogue to fill in the weirdness later. Whereas with TV, you have the opportunity to kind of move things around to, to make it a little bit more digestible for, for people who aren't accustomed to kind of the strangeness of comics. Um, but also... Yeah. To just, you know, tell a little bit more story. Like, I think giving this full backstory to Dr. Singh is so much better than the the point where we find him in the comic. Where he's just this already broken scientist who's just tired and just wants to find a cure. You know, and I guess we should we should definitely talk about Singh's story. Because I think, for you, it's probably the most interesting part of the episode, right? Uh, well... I don't know. That's a good question. I really like both. I like the stuff with the preserve as well. If okay. anything, I'm more invested in the preserve only because I like those, like all those characters. I like them as as, as people. Right. Like they're okay. all good people in the preserve, especially see, Bobby. See, that's interesting because I thought that the preserve storyline was the most kind of contrived of the episode like everything else i was like oh shit this is this is the other shoe falling like with dr singh and and his wife having to go and they you know get the delivery and the people of the town basically showing up and being like hey what the fuck you know like i i really liked that because it was like you know hand in hand for what we thought we were questioning about the end of the last episode and now we see it all kind of playing out now it feels a little bit accelerated i feel like in a different drama show that had 20 episodes a season or even 15 episodes in a season the discovery of the dead body of nancy would have probably taken an episode or two but with sweet tooth we've only got eight eight episodes so we've got to speed things up but um i actually i really like that more i have a note that says damn nancy reveal quick <laughs> exactly exactly it's only so much time you know um but yeah, well then let's let's talk about the preserve because I mean I, I do have some thoughts about the the stuff with Doctor Singh, but I'm curious to know what your your takeaway from the preserve stuff was. Um, well, first of all, I wish we had seen. I know there was a video going around on Twitter about how they um, animated Bobby. Oh my gosh! Because, yeah. Well, I guess like how they manipulated the puppet because it, it's it's a puppet is not really. Uh huh. I'm sure they enhanced it with CGI. I wish we had seen that before we recorded last week. Mm. Uh, but I, I immediately tagged you on it when. Yeah, I appreciate I that. It's great. Um, but I love that there's more hybrids at the preserve. Obviously, time keeps passing. I think uh, Pixels looks older. Uh, Bobby's well, her got a full wardrobe on. now. So her name is not just Pigtail. It's it's Wendy. I heard the narrator say that, and I was like. Nobody has called her Wendy at all, except for the narrator. Like, why? <laughs> What's the reason? Oh, because <laughs> because like Amy keeps calling her Pigtail, but the narrator yeah. clearly called her Wendy when that scene cut in. Wow, I didn't. I yeah, I didn't. I didn't even catch that. I like uh, that that narrator knows too much. He's on top of it. I I mean, I um, think I know who the narrator is, but obviously, don't want to spoil anything. It's Jeff Lemire. <laughs> Maybe. he can't help but put himself in his work he's like oh, hi Graham Morrison I beat you to it I'm yeah. on my own TV show um, well yeah I mean I, to your point you know I do think that the you know seeing more hybrids is really cool I, I do like the, the faster paced um, passage of time where the hybrids are just seeming they keep showing up at this place or wherever the zoo is in Essex County um, you know the fact that th there's at least a handful of other people there and they're all younger and but 
you know, Wendy slash pigtail, she feels a little bit different, a little bit outside because she's more mm -hmm. human than they are, than a lot of them are, it seems. Yeah. And, you know, I think Amy does a good job trying to understand mm -hmm. her position, even though they're not, I mean, even though they're first not related and then also she's a different, like she's a hybrid and Amy's not, but mm -hmm. those are things that there are still things in common that we can find like, oh yeah, we kind of both going through the same stuff. Um, I I understand why we didn't see fully see the other hybrids because money and production costs. Yeah, but um, Danny, I want to see all of them. <laughs> yes, me too. Especially like the owl. Yeah, that dude lives in a tree. Yeah, I want to see the um, lemur kid that was hanging out. Yeah, but as long as we get more Bobby. That's uh, true. I'm fine so with that. I also really appreciated how we we see that Amy can't take just anybody in, right? Mm -hmm. Like she mm -hmm. has to protect the hybrids that are there. Uh, I mean, the, the the conversation on the radio seemed really sus anyways. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, but I think we get clues that maybe it was the, what do they call the last man? Yeah, the last man. That are tagging. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really worried, I mean, about, yeah, about what's going to happen in the next few episodes to the preserve. Because I feel like we're finally going to catch up with the current timeline. If not, if we're not already there. Right, um, right. Because it does seem like time has passed, so uh, I don't want to see anything bad happen to these hybrids and Amy, who I feel like has have been acting really responsible to like self preservation and all mm -hmm. that. So, but I think the thing that this show can, keeps telling us, and the thing that Jeopard keeps reminding us, as you know, to, or at least to, to Gus, is that you can't stay in one place for too long. Like the world just doesn't allow for that unless you fit directly into society like it, you know, just a regular human. There isn't really an opportunity for you to hide anywhere because these last men seem to be kind of roaming everywhere, at least along the, the western half of the United States. You know, we don't know exactly where Essex County is, which kind of adds to the mystery of the whole story. Like, is Essex County in Massachusetts or is it in Colorado or is it in Michigan? You know, we don't really know, which is it is nice because then we can't really say, oh, they're on their way to Colorado. They, they're only a couple days, you know, by, by foot uh, to this place because Essex County is this made up place. I think that was like a smart move on on the part of the creators um, working on this show to say that we don't necessarily need to know where Essex County is. It will become important when they, we decide that they're going to get there. You know, I think that was a really smart move on their part. Yeah. It's not only a cool Easter egg for the mirror's work, but it's mm -hmm. also like uh, uh, that way you really can make a theory of like, well, you know, this is all close by happening at the same, you know, happening yeah. close by or whatever. So very good. Mm -hmm. But um, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's really all I, I like I said, I just really, I don't know why I connected with the. I think the preserve gets a Bobby bonus. That I <laughs> Understandable. Just really, I just, I just really like. You just want to keep seeing that puppet, you know. I'm right there with you, man. I totally understand that. Yeah, I can't wait till they sell a Bobby uh, animatronic, and I'll just have it walking around the house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like if I can get a BB-8, what's stopping me from getting a little Bobby? You know what I mean? Yep. Um well, I guess I do want to talk about the Dr. Singh story um, where him and his wife, Ronnie, um, basically at the end of their rope, right? You know, he Singh hasn't been able to make a serum. His wife is looking worse and worse. I mean, the opening of his storyline where he's just like, ah, oh, shit, there's all these flowers on my yard. Like, this is a problem. And this, the constant having to hide everything from his neighbors and his wife not doing better. I mean, like, it just it just keeps piling up to this like lose lose scenario like no matter what he does it seems like he can't get ahead and 
you know, it's a it's a really tragic bit. And you know, we finally got the response from last episode where he shot up the secret sauce gun, and we saw that there was a delivery that supposedly came with the secret sauce. And yeah, everything falls apart really, really fast in that storyline. Um, I know it's the darker part of the episode, but Danny, did, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that before I dig into my whole thing about it. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I think, first of all, I think uh, Adil Akhtar, who plays Dr. Singh, is doing a fantastic job. Like, Oh my gosh. He, yeah. he, writes that, he writes that line of like, well, we know he's competent because he's a doctor, but he also like, I don't know, like, he seems like he's super afraid all the time. Right. That, that like, that makes me tense, which maybe is part of the reason I like the other storyline better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, this one escalated very quickly, which then again could have been a different passage of time. I knew that they were going to end up, I knew that Abbott was going to end up at the, at the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Because of the stuff at the beginning, I just didn't know it was going to happen so quickly. Same. Same. Um, and then you know we get we get the reveal of where they stash the body, which seems ill advised to put it in a public place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, to say the least. I, like I'm telling you, they should have just said like, yeah, the horse kicked her, and that's it. I I know. I was so baffled by that. Right? Like the 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 thing that we talked about last week. You know, where like there was a Mad Men. You know, it, you know, premiere drama style action sequence where like a thing out of left field happens to a character and it solves a problem that the the, the main characters of the story were ha- were having to deal with. And I just don't know why they didn't lean into it. You know, it could have solved their problem, but it wouldn't have solved the bigger problem, which was. Ronnie is sick and they need to find a cure. I mean, like, I feel like without the death of Nancy, it could have been a whole, they could have figured out a different way to do that. So I'm, I'm right there with you. But then we also see the disappointment in the fact that they didn't get any secret sauce delivered. Dude, that note when he pulled the, you know, throwing all the stuff and it just says out of hybrids. I was like, oh shit. Like my notes just say out of hybrids, dot, dot, dot. Oh hell. Oh, man. And, you know, one thing I did notice about that scene, um, once all the people come in, uh, they are, it, it sounds like the location that the neighborhood is in is called Rockbridge. Now, I didn't look that up, but my guess is that that's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. That's just my guess. Like, if I look for Rockbridge, oh, man, it actually comes up all over the United States, mostly in Missouri. Uh, Missouri, West Virginia, it's kind of all over the place. So, I don't know. It's Springfield. Yeah. yeah, it's like Springfield, exactly. But maybe they're in Missouri. Who knows? So shout out to all you folks in Missouri. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Sure big, this podcast is big in Missouri, I'm sure. It's, it's very big in Missouri already, so I hope that us mentioning it will make it even even bigger there. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I thought that things escalated really quickly. Like, you know, we've only got eight, eight episodes. We've got to establish a lot really, really quickly. Um, that being said, I didn't feel like the pacing of everything that's happened so far was too abrupt. I feel like if I binge this show, though, and watched it all at once, I would feel like it was way too fast. But I think us intentionally taking the week off break really has made it seem more palatable to say like, oh, this thing happened at the end of one episode and then it's resolved in the next episode. Totally fine by me. I don't, did you, do you feel that same way, Danny? Um, Yeah, I, I think so. Like I said, I think this one, this was the one of the storylines that the first part of it surprised me where we, we, we get the reveal from Nancy, but I think it was necessary because we wanted, we needed a reason for Abbott to come to the rescue. Right. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think 
I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm re- I'm really I'm really baffled as to w- where we're going, uh, because wh- I don't think that Abbott would let somebody live that's uh, sick. Uh, oh so yeah, that might be a problem with, with his wife. I I but, have a uh, very strong feeling that we are going to have a lot of bad things escalate very quickly. Um, just just from knowing the comic, just from like we've only got so many yeah. episodes left in the season. I mean, like. I, in my head, I'm already starting to piece together a couple of different things, but I'm gonna just leave my conspiracies here and see how they how we feel over the next episode or two. Because I have a feeling that some of it's gonna come to pass, and other things are gonna be delayed. And regardless, it's just gonna spell tragedy for some of these characters in the story. I'll tell you what: write them down, send me a letter, and then we'll read them on the last episode. <laughs> I will delay. Yeah, I like that. Actually, I'll do that today. So. Um, I guess my the last things, though, about this episode that I do want to get into is some of the questions, right? The biggest one for me in this episode was, is Abbott creating or has does he have some sort of control over the sick? Like, not in a supernatural way, but in like a medical way? Because that scene, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the episode, Dr. Bell, like, is screaming and yelling and all of a sudden a guy runs in with a syringe and she's upset. Like, what the hell was that? You know, these people are talking about, hey, if there's going to be another wave of the sick, we better be blah, blah, blah. Is Abbott artificially creating the spread of the sick at this point? Like, maybe the sick happened naturally, but some of his people somehow honed it in, and now he's using it to wage war against the remaining folks to keep them all under his boot. Yeah, and maybe, and because he knows that the secret sauce can be made, he can also, like, just manipulate them to keep them alive. Right. That may be how he gets to Dr. Singh to do whatever he wants. By keeping his wife alive, maybe uh, you know, letting him do the, you get the cure. Uh, ah, boy, yeah, I don't know. I, he's Abbott's already such a good villain, even though he hasn't really done much. Real like, we've seen him for less than I don't know what five minutes. Yeah, stops. Uh, but he's already a pretty pretty menacing and just overall cool villain. It's gotta mm-hmm. be the glasses. Oh yeah, it's the, it's it's the whole look. The guy's the most put <laughs> yeah. together, like he's like the most put together villain I've ever seen. Uh but yeah, it's it's wonderful. He he's he's so menacing because every scene that he's in, he just t- like I've said before, he takes up the whole scene. He fills a room with his presence. Uh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there were no there were no cool songs this uh, one episode. I mean, there were songs, but nothing yeah. that caught my attention. Yeah, that that first song when Jeopard and Gus and Bear are walking, I thought was pretty folksy and fun, but nothing I could, nothing that I recognized. Nothing that slaps. Yeah, nothing uh, that slapped for sure. Uh, yeah, this this episode really just had me on the edge of my seat, and it kept me moving forward and forward mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I almost fell. Uh, but but I enjoyed it. It was like I said, I feel it was a little bit long, but other than that, I don't I didn't mind it. Um, I I quite enjoyed the stories that they did give us. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, I feel like this is, you know, after last episode, kind of moving the plot pretty drastically forward in a lot of ways. I think a lot of big reveals last episode. This one definitely pales in comparison. Um, that being said, I think the advancement with Abbott as showing up in, in multiple places at this point um, really kind of puts a fire under my butt, makes me want to watch more of the episodes. So I'm very excited to get yeah. into the rest of the season. Like, I think... Like, I definitely had to resist watching the next episode after this one. Not that it was such a big cliffhanger, but just I really, really genuinely want to know what's going to happen next. So, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, this one was tough not to click watch next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's probably the the toughest one. Um, and then as I was getting out of the menu, I did see the, I I read the I inadvertently read the premise for the next one. Uh oh. Uh, so we'll see. Uh oh. Well, uh, but keep I won't, it to yourself. I won't go into it. Keep it to yourself, that's right, that's man. Right. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I'll be able to see if your theories are true when you send me that. Link. I know I'm gonna write that email now. I'm gonna delay send it. What you with that Gmail feature? I'm gonna delay send it until the Wednesday before we record our next episode, <laughs> or I'll send it to you Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, just so that you have an That's hour a- before the recording, and then we can we can see if my predictions were true. Uh, I like that this show is starting to have segments. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to follow up on it. So anyways, I guess to, to wrap things up, it, overall, pretty solid episode. Like you said, Danny, it probably could have been a few minutes shorter, but um, I personally like the dream sequence. Uh, for folks that are interested in getting more opinions from you and stuff, where can they follow you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me personally uh, at Echo Spider on Twitter, or you can follow my podcast at Next Issue Pod, uh, and that has a link to our YouTube page where we do all kinds of videos, trailer reactions. Uh, and there's a cool thing coming that uh, I went to a convention, so I made a video, a little blog about that. So keep nice. an eye out for that. Nice, dude. Well, uh, as always, you know, thank you for listening to the show. Danny, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me at Mike Rappin and the, sh- the, the show I Read Comic Books at IRCB Podcast where we post things on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, this episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today to get early access to episodes of Candy Bar Antler Boy, I Read Comic Books Podcast, and access to all the exclusive series we have like the Saga of Saga Podcast, IRCB Movie Club, and Giant Days of Our Lives. You can do that at Patreon.com com slash ircb podcast don't forget you can join the ircb discord community at ircbpodcast.com slash discord you can come on and hang out with me and danny on future candy bar antler bar episodes you can also listen to all the ivory comic books episodes live and please we want you to just come and hang talk comic books with us that'd be fantastic um the ircb candy bar logo logo that was done recently as part of our show work our artwork is by the sam ds the music for this episode is beautiful cs by robert farmer i want to say thank you all again for listening and until next time Comics are good, and so are you.